Okay, so you have to get ready for Pesach a little bit. You know, Pesach is called, uh, it's called Mancher Seinu, it has many names. But in the Zara Kaddish, Pesach is called the Yontif of Amuna. Zara says that when a person eats matzah, matzah is called by the Zara, amongst other things, it's called Michla de Venus, the food of Amuna. The food of Amuna. In Chabad, in Chabad Chasidis, they often quote the Mimer from Chazal. Chazal say that that a baby is unable to speak and to say mama, dada, abba, ima. It's not able to say to call father. Until the baby tastes of the food, of, of, of grain. Until it eats grain. So in Chabad, uh, Baltani already talks about this. Every, every Rebbe of, of Chabad at some point used this mimer when it comes to Pesach. That in order for us to be able to really articulate Abba, to call out to Hashem and to really talk to Hashem, it, we have to be able to eat the, 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 to taste the, the, the taste of matzah, of dagan. So just as a baby can't say Abba until it tastes of wheat, so too Nishmas Yisrael can't speak to Rabban Hashem until it tastes of matzah. So matzah is a big deal, pesas is a big deal, amuna. So the question we have to deal with now is, okay, so what exactly is the chiddush and amuna that Pesach reveals to us that Klai Yisrael did not know otherwise? Because if we think about it, Klai Yisrael had a tradition back to the Avos Akhtoshim that the Rabban Hashem created the world. So once, once you know God created the world, then certainly He's in control of it, and He's watching it. I mean, all the fundamentals of amuna can come from that. So what exactly is the Chiddush of Pesach? Does it mean that you can't call Abba, you can't call to Hashem unless you've eaten matzah? Does it mean? What exactly is the Chiddush of Amunah that matzah, that, that Pesach brings us? Another question we have to think about, again, that, that's the sort of the general question, not specifics. I mean, Pesach also has to be seen. To understand Pesach, you have to see it in the larger context of the yont of season that ultimately leads to Shavuos. Right? That we know. Pesach leads to Sfir Saimer, which takes us to Shavuos. And so, to define this nakuda of what type of amuna Pesach reveals to us, it has to be understood and seen in the larger context of Pesach taking us to Harsinai. Somehow, in some way, the level of amuna that's given to us on Pesach is a type of amuna that you need to have in order to have a Harsinai. So that's going to be the question to articulate it a little bit of a more clear way. What type of amuna of Pesach is being given to us that allows us to then experience or brings us to the feet of, of Harsinai, uh, you know, only seven weeks later. So that's, that's what Pesach, that's the question. Okay. Another thing to think about. When it comes to Pesach, you know, God, as we know, there's four sons, right? So every single one of those sons is another example of how a father has to fulfill the mitzvah of Sipri Tzies Mitzrayim. So it's well known, the question that the Mepharshim ask is that Ben Rasha, the, the wicked son that asks, what exactly are you doing? He's saying this in a, in a heretical way, like what's the tachas of all this? It's narashkite, it's meaningless, you don't even understand what you're doing. It doesn't make any sense. All these things that the, the Ben Rasha says. And our response is, Hakeshinov, get him out of here. So the question is, what's he doing at the Seder? He's not bringing anything to the table. The, the conversation to the Ben Rasha doesn't seem to be a conversation which is a fulfillment of Sipri Tzitz Mitzrayim. It's quieting the Rasha, so you could focus on the other sons of the Mitzvah. So what exactly is the Ben Rasha doing there? Not only is it a question in the Haggadah itself, but the, 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 the more fundamental question is that, that that's actually in the end of Parshas Bai. That's the first son that's... that's that's given as the example. When Moshe Rabbeinu tells the Jewish people, there's going to be a time where your children are going to ask you, 
and you're going to have to respond with the story of the Tzipitzis Mitzrayim. That the Ben Rush's question is the first is the first example given by Moshe Rabbeinu in what our children will ask. So that's a pella. Bechlal, what's the Ben Rush doing in, in Pesach? Why even address? Why bring it up? It doesn't seem to be a fulfillment of Tzipitzis Mitzrayim. And more than that, it's, uh, that's the first one ex- ex- expressed by Moshe Rabbeinu. And more than that, how did the Jewish people respond? The Jewish people bow down in absolute simcha and they prostrate themselves with absolute bittel and humility to God. That unbelievable. Thank you so much for giving us such a children to ask such questions. What does that mean? That's a it's a Ben Rasha. It's a Ben Rasha. It's a famous question. Okay, there's other questions as well. You know, in the Haggadah we we mention. The, the God that talks about Yachal Mershchaydish, right? There's a, the Mishnah that goes through a whole thing that you might think that maybe the mitzvah Sipritzis Mitzrayim is a mitzvah that begins with Rishchaydish Nis, and the whole month is engulfed by that. So, Talmud Loimer, the Mishnah then goes on, the God goes on to prove that it's only by Yaima Ba'avorzeh, it's only the, the Seder night. So the question is, when first we deal with this, why, why go through the whole Arichas? Tell us the point. The point is that the mitzvah Sipritzis Mitzrayim is Seder night. Why do you have to, that, that, if Mishnayis should speak more succinctly. You want to have a Gemara, then go back and explain the background. Maybe it's from Rishchidosh. But why, why, why is the background necessary for the Haggadah itself? Why do we have to know the Havamina Yachal Rishchidosh and Tamalayim Bar Yamahu, Bechul Bechul, until Bavorzeh? What is this telling us about Pesach? Okay. Another question to think about. When it comes to Pesach, you know, in the Gemara we have Machlekes between. Uh, Rabbi Luz and Rabbi Yeshua, whether the world was created in Tishrei or whether the world was created in Nisan. So we know Taisis already deals with this, that they're both true. The creation happened in two ways and two times. What does that mean? So the Rizal deals with this too. And the Rizal says like this, and, the, like this, and, and this is how the Rashash uh, interprets it in the Rizal. The Rizal said that there's two different madrigas of creation. There's what's called Chitzainius and what's called Pnimius. The creation of the world in Chitzonius took place in Tishrei. But the creation of the world in Pnimius took place in Nisan. That's the result says. What exactly does that mean? It's not for now. But, but what's, what, what, the, what the result is telling us, at least what we can glean from it, is that Nisan versus Tishrei, Nisan is Pnimius dick, and Tishrei is Chitzonius dick. Now this is a Pella, because our interaction with Tishrei and Nisan seems to be the opposite. If I were to ask anyone, I think they would say that Tishrei is more pneumistic. Tishrei is a big Yom Kippur and so much fasting and Aliyahs and Malchus and Shoifer. It's much more of a pneumistic at time. What's Nisan? Nisan is Windex. Nisan is dealing with children and dealing with small things. And uh, Nisan is much more chitzah. It's eating. It's, it's drinking. It's uh, dealing with family. It's much more, it seems to be much more chitzanius. But yet the result is telling us the opposite. Tishrei is chitzanius and Nisan is pneumist. How, how do we put those things together? Okay, another thing that's strange with Pesach is that there seems to be a little bit of a stira in terms of the meichen of Pesach. What's the, what's the meichen? What's the mindset? What's the consciousness that a person is supposed to try to connect to when it comes to Pesach? You see, B'derach Klal, we have two madrigas of meichen. There's two levels of consciousness, of spiritual consciousness a person can have. B'derach Klal, it's called katnus versus godless. A person can be in a place of kadness, of smallness, of constricted headspace, or a place of expansiveness, a place of very finite, or a place that's bechlal, it's a bechin of beligavul, a place of infinite. And usually with our the way it goes is that first you start off in a place of finite, you start off in a very, very finite, mitzum, some constricted, 
small-minded place, like the Mitzvah of Parashat Sezriah, you know. And then from there you expand, you become bigger, you become larger, you grow, you develop, you move from Kadness into Godless. The problem is with Pesach is that Pesach seems to be playing both sides of the fence. What do I mean? On the one hand, Pesach is all about Kadness. It's all about embracing Kadness, about, about being thrown into Kadness. And Kadness seems to be the goal of Pesach. So for example, the mitzvahs of Pesach are all at night, right? But most of them, if you think about it, the mitzvahs of other Yom Toivim are primarily by the day. Luvin Esrug, Shoifer, primarily by the day. Mitzvahs of Pesach are davka at night, matzah, mar, Pesach, and so on. Nighttime is a time of katnas. Night versus day is always katnas versus godless. Daytime is expansive. Daytime you have vision, you can see beyond the, you know, the fingers in front of your face, you can see big things. Daytime always means expansiveness, it means infinite. Whereas nighttime always means finite and constricted and small. So Davka Pesach, the mitzvahs are Davka at night. Pesach is a time of Yigad Telobincha. The mitzvah is to speak about Yitzhiz Mitzrayim as it fits in the mind of a child. To respond to child's questions, to talk to children, to make sure children are awake. It's revolving around children, which are ketanim, it's katnas. Pesach is also a time of a lot of chumras, a lot of chumras. It's interesting, this is, uh, might come as a surprise to many, but the Baal Shem Tov taught that Chumrah's B'derach Klal, being extra stringent beyond what a person has to, has to be, Chumrah's are very much connected to Katnas. It's very hard to think big and to be in a, in a broad, expansive mindset when you're focused on detailed Chumrah's. Detailed Chumrah's are always related to Katnas. This is, this is why, I mentioned this once before, that Sukkot, for example, is a time where there's a lot of kulas. There's a lot of kulas when it comes to sukkah. Lovud and daifin akuma. There's a lot of, lot of kulas when it comes to sukkah. Because sukkah, the goal is to be in state of godless. But Pesach, we're machmed. There's a lot of chumras in Pesach. Again, because it's katnas. So it's at night, it's dealing with children, it's with chumras, it's all at night. Even the carbon Pesach itself, which was the centerpiece of the Seder by the times of the Beis HaMikdash, the carbon Pesach was roasted in a fetal position, the, 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 the lamb, as was roasted, its, feet, its head was between its knees. It was, it was roasted in a way of the fetal position. There's no greater katnas than a baby in the womb. It's mamish, katnas shabakatnas, katnas shabakatnas. So everything, in the, everything seems to be leading to katnas. But yet, mitzat sheni, we find that in that experience of katnas, at night, eating the carbon Pesach, that's roasted in a field position, dealing with one's children, the goal is to, at the same time, experience believable, to experience mamish godless and a level of, of mamish infinite. Chazal say, Eloshin, that when the Jewish people would eat the Karim Pesach and they would sing Hallel, the Hallel was so stark, was so strong, was so loud, that Hilula Paka Igra, the Hallel broke through the roofs. Now obviously it doesn't mean literally, but the language that Chazal used, even if it's a mushal, has to be taken seriously. The fact that Chazal are describing the halal that was said over the carbon Pesach as Pak Igra, the roof always means what's limited, the limitation. It could be a huge palace, but ultimately it's finite. It's, it's being reined in, it's held back, it's constricted by its ceiling. Hilula Pak Igra means that Davka by the carbon Pesach, which itself was, was, was re- reflective of Mamish and Ibor Me'imai, of, of Mamish a cotton Shebektan, Mamish a little baby. Very, very small, very, very finite, but yet in that experience, we're able to find infinite. 
The more you talk, the better. The mitzvah is infinite in nature. It doesn't have any finite rules and regulations. It, it, it could be all night long in, in, in all levels. Even if you're a chacham, you're a bikiv of a chaver of kolon chacham, kolon nevoinim, mitzvah lasapri, mamish kolom arbez, arizim meshubach, it's mamish ain't saif, the mitzvah ain't saif. So this is a very funny dynamic. What's going on over here? Is Pesach a time of kadnos? Is a point of godless? Somehow to have infinite, dafki, infinite. How do we make sense of all of this? Another thing that we have to think about with Pesach, and again, Bessah Hashem will see the theme of all of this, where it's headed from, is that a major theme with Pesach is birth, is giving birth. Is something, something coming out of something else. Goyimi Kerev Goy, the Pasuk describes the Jewish people emerging out of the belly of Mitzrayim. As if Mitzrayim was pregnant with the Jewish people and we are emerging out of it. Something being taken out of something else. Dam, the blood of Pesach, of, of, of Mila and so on. It's all related to Dam later, the birth of the Jewish people. Even Kriyas Yamsef on some level could be seen as a birth. It's all related to this Indian of something being taken out of something else. And the question is, why? What is that reflective of? Where, what does that tell us about Pesach? What does that tell us about Pesach? Okay, so those are the questions. Let's, let's, now let's begin to talk. Now I want to talk to you about something for a little bit, as much as possible. Mamash yeah, fundamentals. Fundamentals, basic, basic Yiddishkeit. Yiddishkeit 101. But like everything else in Yiddishkeit, the more, the more you dig and the more you get to the foundations, the less we understand. The less we understand. Because ultimately, when you get down to the foundations of Yiddishkeit, it's godliness. It's about God Himself. The sugyas, the, the 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 topics are about God. So that by their very nature, they're they're difficult to understand, almost impossible to understand. Therefore, so let's just we'll, we'll talk now about fundamentals and it's ikori muna. These are things that every yid has to know and has to understand to whatever degree possible. But the main thing is not to understand it per se, but to see where 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 it leads us. Now one final question before we begin to discuss this, which is the following thing, is that we also find a major theme with Pesach, and that is Shemus HaKadoshim, divine names, divine names. For example, we're all familiar that throughout Chomish, there's all, uh, the, 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 the names of Hashem are all over the place. But there's only one place, I think, that it talks about Shemus HaKadoshim and the need of divine names and the differences between divine names in such a clear way, and that's the beginning of Parshas Ve'era. When Moshe Rabbeinu Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu, that I, appear, I revealed myself through specific divine names to the Avizah and to you I'm going to reveal in a different divine name with Yudke Vavke. This Indian of Hashem revealing Himself with divine names is told to us in the context of Yitzhiz Mitzrayim. More than that, earlier on when Moshe Rabbeinu is by the snap, so we know that Hashem tells him, go tell Kala Yisrael that, it were, that he's going to take us out. So Moshe says, I'm going to tell them that the God of their ancestors is taking them out, and they're going to ask me, what is his name? What should I say? So Hashem says, okay, tell them, Eka Asher Eka, Arvaya, Eka Sholchani Aleichem. It seems that before Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, the Amuna that the Jewish people had, going back to the original question of what Amuna was revealed to us with Pesach, it would seem that the Amuna before Pesach was an Amuna that did not require a knowledge of God's name. You didn't have to ask the question, what is his name? But Davka with Yitzis Mitzrayim, the level of Amuna that we're being given is an Amuna that requires an understanding of who, of who God is through his names. That's what it seems to us. That's what it seems. And therefore, the Indian of Pesach is going to be revolving around this Indian of names. 
of divine names, of needing to ask the question, what is his name, and being given an answer of Hashem's name. So let, let, let's understand what, what this means. Again, Yiddish Guy 101. Okay, so when it comes to creation, we know that, in, that in, according to the according to Rishonim already, Karmainim, there's a, a term that's used in, create, in describing how Hashem created the world, and that's yesh mi'ayin, something out of nothing. Something out of nothing. Yesh mi'ayin. Now, yesh mi'ayin, that's a pretty good trick. Uh, usually, our understanding is, okay, there's Hashem. He created the world. Where did the world come from? Nothing. It's just, you know, He created it out of thin air. Out of, out of, not even thin air, out of mamash nothing. And so, that's just basically where the conversation ends. You know, once, once it's yesh mi'ayin, there's nothing really to talk about. Now, that's something that obviously a human being can do. Everything we can do, even if you have a person that you can say created something, uh, was an inventor, created ideas, whatever it is, or a parent that creates other people, it's not yesh mi'ayin, it's not something out of nothing. Everything that we do in this world, if we're not God himself, is yesh mi'ayin, it's something from something. Now, so let's discuss a little bit, again, a few fundamental philosophical ideas regarding the nature of yesh mi'ayin, Versus yesh That's going to be the nakud over here to get these the, the, this, these ideas clear, and then we'll see we'll to apply that to the rabbanish and see where it takes us. Let's talk about yesh miyesh for a second. Okay, something from something else. The, the 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 clearest and most simple example of something that comes from something else is a parent, a mother giving birth to a baby. Right. That that's that's yesh miyesh. It's something from something. The mother can't claim that she's creating life in that sense. Life is coming out there. In other words, what does yesh miyesh mean? So yesh miyesh means that the child already existed in the parent. In the mother, the baby existed as a fetus. And even in the father, the baby existed as a piece of genetic material. But the baby exists already in the parent. So what's the parent doing? The parent is giving birth to the child. The parent is, is allowing this person, this baby, to emerge on, on his or her own, is emerging out of the parent. That's the nature of Yesh Miesh. Now because of that, because the child did not come out of nothing, the child came out of the parent, so this results in two things. Number one, that the, the, where the child comes from is imprinted on the child. The child comes into the world because the child doesn't just come out of nothing. The child comes out of the parent. That means the child carries with him or her the, the nature of the parent or some, some aspect of the parent. Or at the very least, the parent's last name. You know, it, it, The kid is not coming out of a vacuum. He's not coming out of a bubble. He's coming out of a parent, which means that on some level, he is an extension of the parent and an expression of the parent and carries the nature and the qualities of the parent in his new existence. That's the nature of Yesh Miesh. And also because of this dynamic of the child emerging out of the parent and carrying some of the nature of the parent with him, Another aspect is true, which is that until that birth happens, the parent is seen as imperfect. There's a certain level of, 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 of when, when, put it this way, when, when a mother is pregnant, when a, when a woman is pregnant, we say that we want her to give birth. It's expected that she's going to give birth. She should give birth. Until she gives birth, there's something missing. She is not beshlema. She is not whole because there's something inside of her that there's a part of herself in her that needs to emerge. 
that needs to come out. And until that, that aspect comes out, there's something missing in her. A person who's perpetually pregnant, that's not right. That's not the way it's supposed to be. A person, there, there's a certain hechrech, there's a certain, uh, uh, a person is compelled in, to, to allow the hidden parts of themselves to express in order to be complete. Give you another another example. Let's say you have Albert Einstein. So Albert Einstein, the idea of e equals mc squared was not yesh me ayin. It wasn't something out of nothing. It was something out of something. In other words, Albert Einstein has a brilliant mind. Had a brilliant mind, right? And in that brilliant mind was contained the seed of that idea of e equals mc squared. And so now when that idea of E equals MC squared emerges because of the right environment, the right education, and all the situation is ripe for that birth, it, it, it's, it's that. It's a birth. It's, it's a piece of information that is emerging out of the ocean of potential that was Albert Einstein. And because of that, that idea that Albert Einstein came up with obviously is reflective of his personal background and his education and everything that led to that particular moment. It's, it's, it has his last name on it. It's, it's Mesiachis to him. And at the same time, because it's a part of him that he is giving birth to, until he gives birth to his Chiddush, he's missing. He's not complete until he comes up with those Chidushim. If Albert Einstein would have been born to some tribal, uh, uh, you know, some tribe in the Amazon and never given the opportunity to come up with that Chiddush, then it's not just the world missing that Chiddush. Albert Einstein himself is, is missing. He's not Sholem. He's not complete because he didn't give birth to that idea. This is all the description of Yesh Meyesh. So as Yesh Meyesh again means, the, the child was always in the parent on some level. And because of that, when the child emerges, he emerges with as an extension of the parent, with sort of the imprint of the parent on him, because he emerges out of the parent. And number two, until that birth takes place, the parent is missing. There's something, there's something missing in the parent, and incomplete in the parent, until the birth takes place. That's all yesh miyesh. Um, now yesh miyayin is altogether different, right? Because yesh miyayin means something out of nothing. When it's something out of nothing, it means that there's we don't even have the words to describe such a thing, but it, it, there's there's nothing missing in 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 the yesh in the in the ayin. For there's nothing missing in the ayin until the yesh comes. Right? There's something missing in the parent until the birth takes place. He's chaser. She's chaser until the the birth happens. But the, but in this reality of something from nothing, that nothing was not missing before the yesh comes. The, the yesh miyayin, it's unrelated to each other. It just it came out of thin air. It was, never, it was never part of the source, and, and therefore the source is not missing until that, things come, that, that, that birth takes place. There's, there's nothing missing. It's only a yesh miyesh dika phenomenon. So here, here's the question. Here's the question. When we talk about the creation taking place, yesh miyayin, that Hashem made the world yesh miyayin, at what point, what do we mean by that exactly? What do we mean by that exactly? When is the demarcation point of yesh miyayin? And when does the yesh miyesh begin? When does yesh miyesh begin? Because yesh miyesh certainly doesn't just happen by a mother giving birth. You know, Chazal say that a blade of grass grows because there's a malach in Shemayim compelling it to grow. 
that's the, the, the deeper meaning of that is that that's yesh miyesh. A blade of grass is also yesh miyesh. It's something from something. It's it, it's a physical blade of grass which emerges out of its spiritual parent, and the spiritual parent of this blade of grass is is what's described as a malach in Chazal. That's yesh miyesh. So the, so even even spiritual reality has this dynamic of something from something, and there's a histalshulus. There's a chain effect, chain uh, uh, you know process that goes on from spiritual parent to to child and 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 all the way leading to a blade of grass so the question is at what point do we say this is yesh mi'ayin and yesh mi'ayin begins now like where where's the cutoff point where's the yesh mi'ayin of creation because certainly at some point creation was yesh mi'ayin but where is that so let's go back to the earliest description of the rabbanishlam that we have before creation itself <clears throat> and this goes to the Arizal. The Arizal, in the beginning of the Yitzchayim, tells us, and again, this is a Karimuna, although it might be <laughs> not something that we learn in first grade, but these are fundamental points, very fundamental to Yiddishkeit. The Arizal says that before creation, before there was any finite reality, before there was anything mugbal, before there was anything finite, what was there? So said the Arizal, all there was, was a reality of Ein Saif Baruch Hu, the infinite reality of God. God in his belief, saif, believable, in his without limit, without end, a reality that's called ain't saif. So you had a reality that's called ain't saif, that's infinite, and then all of a sudden you have a world that's called finite. You have a world of believable, a reality, a, a, a place of divinity, a, a godliness, an elikus, a light that's called the light of the infinite one. And then all of a sudden you have gvul, you have finite reality. Was that, now that transition, but from ein saif, from beli gvul to gvul, from infinite to finite, was that yesh ayin, or is that yesh miyesh? Is that yesh ayin or yesh miyesh? So here's the determining factor. The determining factor is, as I said, philosophically speaking, whenever you're dealing with something that's yesh miyesh, it means that the, the parent, the root, the yesh that, the, 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 the parent yesh is missing and is chaser and is imperfect until the birth takes place, right? That's the nature of yesh miyesh. Albert Einstein is not sholem until he gives birth to his chidushim. The mother is unhealthy until she gives birth to the baby. So here's the nakuda. When we're talking about ein saif, the infinite light of God, and then you have gvul, finite reality, saif, you have finite reality, in order to, so is that, was that yesh mi'ayin or is that yesh mi'ayesh? It would be unbelievably beautiful if we can say that was yesh mi'ayesh. You know why? When you, to say that the world, that the finite world came, yesh mi'ayesh, from the infinite, remember the other dynamic that we described as yesh mi'ayesh, which is that the child contains within him or her the nature of the parent, the imprint of the parent, the last name of the parent. If, if this finite world emerged out of the infinite light of God in a way of yesh miyesh, then what that means is that every single corner of finite reality is still saturated with that infinite light of God. And what that means is that every single experience that we have is in truth an infinite experience. What we see as something small is in truth the biggest thing to be. It's the biggest thing possible. It's ain't saif. 
This is the question. If we were to say that there is gavul within beligavul, that beligavul infinite, the infinite light of God, contained within it finite reality and gave birth to finite reality, then what that means is that finite reality contains within it the imprint and the influence and the reality of infinite, of infinite light. And that would make our lives so much more meaningful and so much more powerful and so much more impactful. But can we say that? Because if you remember, the other quality of Yesh Miesh is, is that to say that within infinite reality there was, there was already contained finite reality, and that infinite reality had to give birth to finite reality, what that means is that infinite reality being the parent was missing and deficient until it gave birth to finite reality. In order to say that, then you have to say one thing, which is, that the infinite light of God is not God himself in his, in his essence. Because the, a basic principle that we have philosophically in Yiddishkeit, one of the core principles of Yiddishkeit is that God is perfect. You can't say that God needed to do anything. You can't say God was compelled to do anything. And you can't say that God was imperfect until he did, any, did a, a particular act. To say that, to say anything that's yesh miyesh, as we said, the original yesh, the parent yesh, is missing and is sort of, in order to be complete, needs to give birth. It needs to bring out the chiddush. It needs to bring out the child. Can you say that with Ein Saif? So the question then becomes, well, is Ein Saif God himself? Or is that just a reflection, a giloy, a revelation, a light of God? Or is that God himself? This is the crux of the question. Because if you were to say, that 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 when we talk about Ain Saif, the infinite, the one without end, that's literally a description of God Himself, Mamish Himself, then you would be unable to say that finite reality emerges out of the one without end, would be would emerge out of the infinite one, because then you're going to say that the infinite one needed to give birth to the finite. And that would be, God forbid, saying that God is incomplete. In order to allow us to say that finite reality comes from infinite, then we have to say the following truth, which is that just as we cannot say who God is in positive terms, we know this from the Ramchal, that a person can't say God is good. You can't say God is compassion. You can't say God is this or God is that. That's making God finite. You're saying he is something that's giving him measure. But what, in order, but what we're saying now is much deeper, is that not only can you not say who God is, you can't even say who God is not. You see, when we say that, there, that there's such thing as ain't safe, with the one without end, that's saying in the negative terms, I don't know who God is, but at least I, I know who he's not. He's not, with, he's not. He doesn't have an end. He's without end. He doesn't have a beginning, he doesn't have an end. What we're saying is, is that, that even that you can't say. When you're talking about God's essence and his, his absolute unknowable essence, there's something that even comes before Ein Saif. There's something that not only can you, are you unable to articulate who God is, you can't even articulate who God is not. If you are, if you, once we, to acknowledge, to, to, to reveal that Nakuda, that what? That God is even before Ein Saif, then you could say Ein Saif gave birth to Gvul. 
right? Once God is not described by the Arizal as the one without end, rather, Ein Saif is a description of the light of God, then now that light of God, you can say, is missing until it gives birth to finite reality. Because you can say that the light of God is somewhat deficient. But to say that God is deficient, that you can't do. This is the Nakuda, the Chiddush, between, the differences between Tishrei versus Nisan. The Chiddush of Nisan is the following revelation. And this is the Amuna that we're given to a Nisan. The Amuna of Nisan is, is that we don't know who God is. We don't know who God is in the positive, and we don't even know what God is not in the negative. Who God is, is beyond any language for us to say, both in positive or in negative. The Chiddush of Nisan is, is that God is absolutely unknowable, and you can't even say that He's Ein Saif. Even the description of the Ein Saif, of the one without end, is not God Himself. It's only a, 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 an ex- a, a, a creation of God. It's only a, an, an illumination of God. That's the Giloy of Pesach. And because of that, because of it, let's understand, because of that, we are when we look at therefore ain't soif and we think about the concept of of the, the infinite light of God, once we can once we've pulled God back, further back than that, now we can view ain't soif and the world of finite reality that comes out of it as yesh miyesh. Because once we've said that God is not Ein Saif, God is, the God in His essence is even deeper than that, <clears throat> so now Ein Saif can be seen as something that contains finite reality, and finite reality needs to be born from Ein Saif. And because of this, now we come up with an unbelievable chizik, which is that every single piece of finite reality we experience contains within it the light of Ein Saif, the infinite light of God. The infinite light of God. And this is the core of what Pesach is. Remember, we, let's go back. Pesach was a time of katness, of smallness. Children, Pesach night, the, 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 the carbon Pesach being in a fetal position. It's all smallness. But yet at the same time, that smallness is what? Is, is, is somehow we're able to experience infinite. Kolamar b'lasapar. The hell of carbon Pesach breaks through the roof. Why? Because this is the secret of Pesach. The secret of Pesach is, is that because God himself is beyond any words to say, not in the positive or in the negative, so now that when you're talking about the infinite one, even that's not God in his essence. Since that's not God in his essence, so now you can, you can view finite reality as emerging out of the infinite light of God. And now when you see the finite reality of our world as emerging out and being born from the finite light, the infinite light of God, so that means the infinite light of God is still, is residually still remains, you know, gives its roshan, gives its residue on finite reality. And now finite reality can be seen as simply an extension of infinite reality. Because that infinite reality was not God in his essence. It was a light of God, it was an illumination of God, it was a revelation of God, but it wasn't God in His essence. And because it wasn't God in His essence, we're allowed to say that final reality emerges out of that yesh miyesh. Where does the infinite light of God come from? That's yesh miyayin. But final reality emerging out of infinite light of God, that's yesh miyesh. And this is exactly why Pesach is all revolving around birth. 
The theme of Gulas Mitzrayim is Goy Mikher of Goy, a nation born of another nation, the blood of Mitzrayim, the Kriyas Yamsa, it's all birth. Why? Because what was being revealed to us on Pesach night is this, this deepest, deepest, most mysterious, sublime understanding of who God is, which is that we don't understand who God is on any level, both in positive and negative, and that allows us to view physical reality and finite reality as Taka being born of infinite light, of, of, from the infinite reality of the light of God, since that's not God in His essence anyway. And this is why Pesach is a time of birth. It's a time that's reflective of birth, of, of that type of gula. This is why we start Yochel Mersh Chaydash. Yochel Mersh Chaydash is a is a sentence, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mimer that's summing up what Pesach is about, which is that you take a big space, a big period of time, something large, and you're just pulling out one particular point out of that larger time. So you have an entire month of Nisan, and we're saying, Yitzhiz Mitzrayim, Sibrit Mitzrayim takes place one night out of that particular month. That's reflective of this idea, which is that first there is infinite light of God. Believable. And from there, we're taking out the baby that exists. We're taking out finite reality from that place. Not yesh miyayin, but yesh miyesh. Just as the night of Pesach is being taken out of the month of Nisan, so too finite reality is being taken out of the infinite, infinite reality of God. And why are we allowed to do that? Again, we're allowed to do that because who God is is not even infinite reality. Who God is in His, in his essence is even, more, is even less known than that. It's mamish we don't know. We don't have words to say who God is and we don't have words to say who God is not. We have absolute silence when it comes to the, the essence of God. And this is exactly why the Ben Russia is such an integral part of, uh, integral part of, of Sibit Yisrael of Pesach. Why? This is a subtle point, and you know everything until now has been subtle, and I hope uh, is not confusing everyone too much. But there is a Torah that we have from Rav Cook. Rav Cook explained, and it's an important point, which is that apikarsis, apikarsis has a usage. There is a place for apikarsis. What does that mean? If you understand who God is, if you think you know who God is, that's a level of avodizar. What's Avadizar? Avadizar is that this is my God. This is a tangible God. To say that that's obviously a, a very gross, very uh, low mistake to literally take a physical thing and say this is God. But you know what? It's more subtle Avadizara. To say that God is infinite. That's also an Avadizara. To say that God in his essence is the one without end. To be, to be brazen enough to say that you have the ability to articulate even who God is not, that's also a level of, of, of being able to, being magshim. You're still, you're still also trying to make sense of God. You're still trying to think that you could make sense of him. You could say, at least in my frame of reference, he's not this. That's where you need an apikairis to come and say, you think you know, you don't know anything. If you if you understand God, then you should understand His wisdom. You should understand the world that He that He that He that He created. You should understand how things go. And the Apikaris reminds you that you don't understand anything, and that's an absolutely good tool to to use to smash all the avodizars in the world. And so this is what the Ben Rush is coming. The Ben Rasha comes and says, "What do you what do you guys you think you know who God is? If you know who God is, then you should understand Torah and mitzvahs. And tell me, what in the world are you doing tonight? You have no idea what you're doing." All these uh, heebie-jeebie stuff, eating a matzah. What, what do you account? You don't have no asag of what you're doing. 
And that's exactly the key to Pesach. Because in order to allow us to see every single piece of finite reality as being stamped with the infinite light of God, then we have to be able to say that the essence of God is not even infinite. That the essence of God is even farther removed than infinite. The essence of God is absolutely unknowable without anything. And in order to bring us to that place of humility, we need the Apikairis. We need the Ben Rasha to remind us that we don't understand anything. And this is why the Jewish people respond to the Ben Rasha with bowing down. The bowing down of the Jewish people means absolute bittal, absolute nullification. We don't know anything. We mamish don't know anything. And because we don't know who God's essence is, not even in negative terms, because of that, then we can see the Ar Ain Saif as being the Yesh, as being the root of finite reality. And finite reality can be seen as, an, as something that's born of the infinite, since the infinite is not God in his essence anyway. So now we're left with a basic problem, which is, so how do we talk to God? How do we talk to God? There's no language anymore. We can't even talk about who God is not. And this is exactly the great gift that Hashem gives us, which is called Shem Asakdash, the divine names. What's a divine name? A Shem Kaddish is, the Rabbani Shalom saying, you're right, you do not have the tools to talk to me. You do not have the tools to articulate any level of conversation with who I am. You can't talk about who I am, and you can't even talk about who I'm not. So what are you left to say? You don't have a language to use. The language the Rabbani Shalom therefore gives us is the language of Shema Sakdash. Where it's taka true, we don't know what we're saying when we say Adnai, and Tzavakas, and Shakai, and when we learn Torah, because all of Torah is ultimately divine names, like the Ramban says. We don't know who we're talking to. But the Chiddush of Hashem is that whether you realize it or not, whether you understand it or not, you're talking to the Rabbani Shalom's essence when you call him by his name. It's no different than a child. right? Remember we started this, that the Matzah of Pesach is compared, the Chabad Hasidim, Chabad Tzadikim have taught us, that it's compared to that statement of Chazal, that when a small child eats dog and eats wheat, it's now able to say Abba Ima. When a one-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old, whatever, or a two-year-old says Abba Ima for the first time, the kid doesn't even know what that means. The kid has no hasaga of what it means. He doesn't know who the parent, what a parent is. He doesn't know what a parent is not. It's bechlal. He doesn't understand anything. But yet, he says those words and he's absolutely correct. And when the parent hears the words Abba from the child or Ima from the child, knowing that the child has no idea what he's talking about, it still makes an unbelievable emotional impact on the parent. Because this is the Chiddush of Shem Saktashim. And this is the Chiddush of Pesach, which is, Pesach is a time where the Rabbani Shalom gives us a much more panemistic level of amuna. We started with the question, Pesach versus, uh, Nisan versus Tishrei. Tishrei is, is chitzanius, Nisan is panemius. The answer is, Nisan is panemius because what's happening on Nisan is the Rabbanu Shalom is revealing that who God is in His essence is beyond unknowable. We, have no, we don't have a language on our own to describe it, not in positive terms, not in negative terms. And because of that panemius revelation of who God is in His essence, because of that, we can involve ourselves in cadmus, we can involve ourselves in finite reality with the confidence that finite reality emerges out of infinite and still contains the infinite. Because the infinite, even though that means that the infinite light of God is missing and is incomplete until it gives birth to finite reality, we're allowed to say that because, God, because the infinite light of God is not God's essence. And so that's the panemius amuna that, uh, that Pesach brings us. But the problem is we're left, what, with now no language to use to communicate with the Rabbani Shalom. That's where divine names comes in. And this is why Pesach 
is so Makusha to divine names. The Jewish people ask, now that you're Moshe Rabbeinu, now that you're revealing to us what? That God's essence is beyond unknowable. So now, Mashmai, what's his name? How do we talk to him? The answer is, Rabbi Nishlam lets, lets, reveals to us his names. It's not a language we've come up with. It's the Rabbi Nishlam's language he's giving to us. And this is why the miracles of Pesach are all reflective of this what? Of this Nakuda, of finite reality being somehow containing within it infinite reality. What do I mean? Every miracle of Pesach were not just big miracles. These were miracles that were a union of finite and infinite. You had one cup that contains a, a finite amount of liquid. And that liquid was both 100% water and 100% blood. When a Jew drank out of it, it was water. When a, when a Mitzri drank out of it, it was blood. It's not like in the picture books where it's like half water and half blood. It was 100% blood, 100% water. Something that's, that's, it doesn't make any sense in finite reality. You can't have 100% of two things occupying the same space. Same thing with Barad. Barad was not ice and fire in the inside of it. It was fire and ice at the same time. Chayshech was darkness and light at the same time. Every one of the makis, the Brisk Ruff talked about this also, every one of the makis was finite, but yet infinite. Why were the makis like that? The answer is because the whole Indian of Pesach is revealing this truth, is that katnus is itself godless. There's no difference between katnus and godless. There's no difference between infinite and finite. One emerges out of the other. One, one is just an extension of the other. I, how could you say that? Because then that would mean that infinite light is, the infinite light of God is missing until finite reality is born. The answer is we're allowed to say that because even infinite light of God is not God himself. So then how do we talk to God? You need divine names. And this is what's, in, this is what's leading us to Har Sinai. The Jewish people by Har Sinai is receiving the Torah. What happens? Why do we need Mantara for? Why can't uh, the, the, Avram Avinu kept the Torah before Har Sinai too? What's the Chiddush of Har Sinai? The Chiddush of Har Sinai is once you have the Amun of Pesach and once you have this Indian of what? That you don't know who God is, Bechlal. So now you, you don't even have the language for it. So now you need the Rabbani Shalom to lower down to you a language about how to speak to them and how to relate to them and how to interact with them. Before Mitzis Mitzrayim, before Pesach, there was no need for Hashem to introduce to us a language. We can make our own language. So we could call Hashem the infinite one. We could talk about Him being the one without end. And we could come up with, with physical things that we can do to serve that infinite one. It's not a... The Rebbe Shalom is, is knowable on some level. But comes Pesach and Pesach says, you don't know anything. The Ben Rush is right. You don't know anything. And therefore, because of that, we're left with what? We're left with the, for, with, 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 with the humility of receiving a language from the Rabbani Shalom, receiving instructions from the Rabbani Shalom, that's Harsinai. This is why ultimately Pesach is what? Is overcoming mitchilo of the Avodah I have seen, is overcoming that origin of Avodah Zarah that ultimately, t- that, that could taint the Jewish neshama. This is why the Chet Egel, for example, was so destructive to Maimed Harsinai. The Chet Egel, which is about Avodah Zarah, which is about going back to thinking that we understand who God is and we could actually literally put our fingers and, and, and make God finite, that's not just a bad Aveir, that's undoing the entire process of Yitzhiz Mitzrayim. So of course it has cataclysmic of, uh, repercussions. It, it's undoing everything that Nishmas Yisrael is built to receive and built what Yitzhiz Mitzrayim is about. This is what Gulz Mitzrayim is. Halacha What does this mean for us? What it means is the following truth, which is, might sound shocking, but you have the biggest makubal of all time and the smallest child 
And when both of them say Hashem's name, neither of them know what they're talking about. Neither of them understand who they're talking to. But despite the fact that neither of them know who they're talking to, it creates the same nachas ruach in the Rabbana Shlalem, just like when a one-year-old kid says mama for the first time. And this is the unbelievable gift of Yiddishkeit. The gift of Yiddishkeit is that we don't know who our Creator is, we can't know who our Creator is. And Afal Pekin, He's given us a language and the ability to communicate to Him. And that's the Chiddush of Pesach. That's the Amun of Pesach. It's an unbelievable revelation. This is why matzah, which is that food of Pesach, it is a food of Amunah. It's a food that brings us to that place of what? Of absolute hisbatlos, of absolute bittel, just like the simplicity of matzah, of absolute pashas tmius, that I don't know who the Rabbanu Shalom is, and I don't have to know, it's not possible for me to know. But despite that inability of me being able to say, I understand who God is, I could still talk to Him, and I could articulate my mind, my, my expressions to Him, and I could use the divine names and the Torah and the tefillah that He's given us as a way of communicating to Him. That's the Chiddush of Pesach. No. Hashem should help us, we should become Aminim, to embrace the Amun of Pesach on all levels. To be able to talk to Hashem and to articulate our Rasen to Him, to communicate in the language that he's, that he's given us, and to see ourselves as equals with, with everyone else, because whatever Hasagas you have, n- n- no one knows who God is. And that's, that's the great equalizer of all. And we should be to that revelation. The Be'ez Kol Tzedek, Amen.